Hey guys, welcome back to Putty's Playbook. We hope you've had a great week. In this episode, we're going to dive right in, review and analyze State of Origin Game 1 that just happened. We're going to talk about our NFL and our power rankings and what our predictions are for the rest of the season. We've been promising that for all our football fans out there, NFL fans. We're finally here. This episode's for you. Also, our first ever Q&A, questions and answers. We're going to dive through some we've been receiving all week. And we're going to talk to you guys about it. Talk about the topics, the questions, what our answers are, what our views are. So, yeah, let's get into it, baby. This is going to be a cracker. Ew! All right. State of Origin review and analysis. Let's get into it. Wednesday night, 8.10pm at the Adelaide Oval. Not many people would pick this. Queensland Maroons have defeated the New South Wales Blues 18 to 14. This this was just I was left gobsmacked. I couldn't believe it. This is your best review, ladies and gentlemen, of matches. We're talking exclusive. It's 11 p.m. right now after the game. Best in the business. The emotion's still there. The feeling's still there. We're going to give you a rundown of what's happened and what's going to happen in the future in game two. So let's just dive into the action, eh? Let's just let's just rip a beer just to you know just open up the good stuff inside us. So all right, here we go. So first half. Oh, that's delicious. That's the mother's milk, that one. All right, first half. The Blues, they were great in the first half. First 14 minutes, they only had 33% of the ball and possession. And they were still able to score two tries within five minutes. So Damian Cook was our first try scorer. It was just good, simple effort. Wanted it more. Individual brilliance, first try scorer. Five minutes later, Josh Adokar goes in. Nice backline movement. Out the back, sweet play. Bam, he scores in the corner. Blues up 10-0. I'm feeling confident. I'm thinking, yeah, this is what most people said. Blues are going to dominate. Let's roll with it. So the Blues were up 10-0 at halftime. 10-0. And then the second half comes around. We're at halftime. And this is where I believe things changed. Simple as this. I believe the Blues were outcoached. Master coach Wayne Bennett... Went into halftime, you saw him at the dressing room with a minute to go. In the box, he raced down to the sheds at halftime. He knew he had a message. He could see, visually see in the field what was going wrong, what needed to be changed. He had that message in his mind, straight down there, straight down to the sheds. All right, boys, this is what happens. This is how we do it, and this is what we'll get the win. He delivered it, and that's what happened. They got the Queensland were too good in the end, and in my opinion, it was just simple outcoaching. That's all it was. That's all it was. So keep it simple. Wayne Bennett just said to his troops, Let's play simple, direct, stop this side-to-side, sideline-to-sideline bullshit. It's not working for us. We're getting lapped up because they had, a, they had plenty of opportunities in the first first five, ten minutes in the Blues try line. They couldn't score. The Blues were eating up. Side-to-side. He just said, mate, play direct, kick to your corners, keep it simple. Keep it simple. Little efforts and 100%, those little one percenters, just keep them true, and that's going to get us back into the game. And second half comes around, Queensland score first, bang. He's 100% right. They're back in the game. Momentum turns and the rest is history. So you're looking in the 50th minute. Kate Well runs over Clint Gutherson. Puts a gorgeous little chip and chase over for debutant Alexander Brimson. As I just stated, that first the point, first points in the second half just changed the momentum. And it was that was pretty much all she wrote. Four minutes later, Jack White missed a simple one-on-one tackle. Gagai just runs straight around, left, right, bang. Sets up Xavier Coates, a debutant, amazing 60, 70 meter try. You're looking at the, the Blues look up the scoreline, they're down, they're down 12 10. And you're like, we've been so dominant, 
we've gone in halftime at 10 nil, but they probably felt like it should have been, you know, 18, 20 nil at halftime. And it's not the case. And they're behind. And as soon as they were behind, the Blues just looked, they looked stumped. They didn't like playing from behind the scoreboard pressure. It wasn't even that much pressure. It was only two points. But they just looked confused and they had no answers. They were just running one out football through the middle of the ruck, the momentum. Their forwards couldn't just control the ruck speed. They were just, yeah, just getting, not dominated, but they just had no answers. Simple as that. It was just disappointing. Very disappointing. And Queensland were leading 18-10 to 10 with five minutes remaining. Adekar scores his second try. Nice backline movement again. Gustafson through the hand, sets up another one. Gorgeous play. And Nathan Cleary, unfortunately, does not convert from the sideline, and it's a four-point difference. But the majority of the second half, Queensland just dominated field possession, held onto the ball, and they played simple footy. As their master coach, Wayne Bennett, said, keep it simple. And yeah, they just didn't let the Blues have a sniff. Like, that last five minutes, or six minutes before the try, was the first chance the Blues had in the whole half. They got a repeat set before they scored, and that was literally the first chance all the second half that they had. So, yeah. No, as I said, what an upset. No one would have predicted this. As, in my opinion... Blues were, Blues were just very disappointing. I think they're pathetic. You've got a strong young, young squad. You want to build a dynasty. You want to keep the momentum going. And I just thought they just weren't up for it, unfortunately. They just missed too many tackles. Allowed too many offloads. Queensland got out of the end too easily. Yeah, just too many simple errors. I honestly think it was just second division football quality. It was just reserve grade quality. It's Yeah, it just wasn't up to scratch. It was just honestly, the only word is the Blues were pathetic. Simple as that. Alright, so what do we look forward to in Game 2? What's next? So we'll start with Queensland. Let me just knock some of this delicious froth down my throat. Ah, yum. Alright, for Queensland. It's simple. You keep the same team. If everyone's fit, I know there was question marks over um, Kurt Capewell. Let's just have a little crack in his game. He was amazing. He was amazing last night. It was the energy. It was the effort. He was on debut set up the first try was just 100% effort those little one percenters he just wanted it more he just wanted to impact the game and he did impact the game he was sensational Gagai Dane Gagai what is wrong with this bloke when he puts that maroon jersey on does he have superpowers or something because he just comes out every single time he puts that maroon Queensland jersey on he's ready to go and yeah he ran straight over my my main man Jackie Boy White and straight over him and I was just left speechless there that was embarrassing by the Blues there. He was incredible, Gaga. Let's not take anything away from him. So I think Queensland, you keep the same squad, obviously. You never change that that rule, never break up a winning team. So they're going to have the same squad if everyone's fit. And then we go to the Blues. It happened last year, game one. They changed a few players, and I think it's going to happen happen this year as well. There's going to be a few, few team changes in game two for next Wednesday at ANZ Stadium. I, it's probably a bit harsh because you can't always blame the halves, but I think Luke Keary, I don't think he'll be there. I don't think he'll be there. He tried, and I just think he struggled a little bit tonight. His defense was questionable. He got caught out a few times. The Roosters, ha- Roosters have had a long year, same as um Boyd Cordner. I know he got that early head knock. He just looks a bit off the pace, a little bit slow. I think he just needs a long offseason. Just, yeah, I think Keary just, I don't think he'll be there next game. I don't think it was terrible, but... Yeah, he just. I think it's going to be. Yeah, we're going to see a different team. So I'm predicting Jack Whiten or Cody Walker. Cody Walker will wear the six next game, and I think Cody Walker. 
the Blues looked better in the second half when Cody Walker came on that last 15, 20 minutes. The attack looked a bit better. He's just happy to get the, get that ball in his hands and he just creates opportunities. He's a player that just sniffs around the ruck, just looks for opportunities, always looking. Tired defenders, he'll run at you. He's just, yeah, attack, attack, attack. And for the Blues, to only score 14 points in a state of origin team when you've got guns all over the park, Nathan Cleary, Damian Cook, I guess Keary, which I just said, which I think he'll get dropped, but he's had a great, great few years for the Roosters. Tedesco, I think he's the best player in the world. You've got like Jack White and your um, Daily M. So there's players, you know, you've got weapons all over the park. So I think the attack is a concerning thing as well as the defense. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll go Cody Walker. I know he didn't play too well last, last year. But I think what we've seen, he's had an amazing last year, like amazing end to the season, sorry. The regular season, he was probably the form player of the competition. So Cody Walker will be wearing a six in game two, in my opinion. So defense was terrible. We're going to, the centers, Jack Whiten, huge fan. He was, I don't know what was wrong with him tonight. Defensively, I think he, he ta- his tackling percentage was under 50%. Like he had oil all over his arms or something. He didn't want to use his shoulders. He had one good hit on Xavier Coates. But apart from that, brother, make your tackles, man. So I don't know what happens there if he even drops out of the side. He offers a lot in attack. Like when he had the ball, he's, I think he had 18 runs for nearly 180 meters. That's huge for a center. But he needs, at center, I think he needs to get more involved. He didn't have much of an influence on the game tonight, but defensively, he was woeful. As I said, Dane Gagai straight over him, no good. Clint Gutherson, Blues are up 10-0. It's not all his fault. He got ran over by an, a second row. Kurt Capel just went straight over him, bam, straight through, chip and chase, brim some scores. Like That started the momentum. That's not on, the, that's not on Gutherson. That's not his fault. But I, I, don't, I just feel like he looked a bit uncomfortable in some... Some patches of the game, some some plays. He there's no doubt he gave all effort. So I wouldn't be surprised if a specialist center comes in, a Crichton or a Lomax or someone like that. But we'll see. But yeah, I, you're gonna see some. You're gonna see a different blue squad in game two, and uh, the rumors are already they're being talked about. Ryan Pappenhuisen, Storm fullback, he's ready to rumble. That calf, that Achilles, whatever injury it is, he's ready. So. Little Pappy will be there for game two. I can't wait. The halves, Cleary needed to be just on the front foot a bit more. Attack the line. I know in the second half, the forwards are getting batted up the middle. You can't control the rock, but he just needs to try and link with the Tedescos and Cook in the middle and Cam Murray as well. He, he, he only played like a minute. He hurt his knee in a bad tackle, so he was a huge loss as well. I think a few people are forgetting what happened with him. But yeah, Cleary, Tedesco, just... The attack, we, we didn't have many opportunities in the second half, and we could just, the opportunity you have in origin, you just need to put the foot down and make the most of it. That half chance, half opportunity, just go for it. If, especially when you're tackling all second half, in your end most of the time, just defending. Clear, uh, Cleary just needed to step up a little bit more, I think, and put his foot forward and just try and control the game and dominate it. But you couldn't. Queensland were just superb in the second half. They had a game plan. They stuck to it, and it worked. And they just outcoached the Blues, as simple as that. Tedesco, I thought, was awesome in the first half, but in the second half, he never gave up, but he just had to do too much work from his the backfield, his own end, just they were kicking straight to him, pin him in the corners. So, yeah, congratulations to Queensland. Huge effort, huge performance. Wayne Bennett, master coach. The Maroons are up 1-0 in the series. So, we'll talk to you guys just before game two next week. So, it's going to be a cracking series now. Blues have to go to um, Sydney ANZ Stadium. It's a must-win game. We can't wait, so... Origin 1, what a turnout. You!
Alright fans, I've been promising this moment for weeks now. We're going to dive into the NFL. All you American football fans out there, NFL fans, this is your time to shine, so let's go. Let's go! It's week 9 in the NFL this week. That means we're halfway through the season pretty much. So let's discuss the season. It's been a funny old season. With COVID, there's some, you know, there's some games with no crowds. Games with some crowds, like limit, limited crowds. It's all to do with different states and laws, I believe. Players and staff members are testing positive for COVID-19. And then they're having to isolate. Team facilities are having to be shut down due to positive cases. Games are still going ahead. So teams are missing some of their star players, star quarterbacks. It's just, it's crazy times in the world. Crazy times in the NFL. But the NFL, they're very eager for the season to continue. They keep pushing ahead. So they're not taking a step backwards. So it's, yeah, it's just crazy. So even just from last week, between the 25th and the 31st of October, the NFL administered a total 42,916 tests on a total of 7,884 players and team personnel. From this, from these 42,000 tests, nearly 43,000 tests, there were eight new confirmed players who tested positive and 17 17 new confirmed positives among other personnel. So you've got 25 new positive tests in a week. It's just it's continuing to grow. It's scary times. Yeah, it's just a crazy, crazy season. We've never been in this situation before. And then you go on top of that, due to no preseason and limited training camps, there's huge injury toll on players, star players, season-ending season injuries. They've increased. The likes of Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott, superstar running back, Saquon Barkley, Marlon Mack, Tyrell Williams, OJ Howard. The list goes on. Just the injuries are growing. Positive tests. It's, yeah, it's just crazy. It's crazy. It's a crazy season of football. But, in, you know, in saying that, it's still been top quality and extremely exciting. There's plenty of games going to overtime, game winners, Big players, deciding outcomes. It's, yeah, it's still got it. So let's talk about the season. That's that's what's been happening. But let's dive into the, the football, the action. Let's let's discuss and what, what we're going to, what to expect for the rest of the season. So we'll start with our, um, we'll start with our power rankings first. So at one, these are our top five power rankings. At one, the Kansas City Chiefs. They have a seven and one record. So when you've got Patrick Mahomes on your team, he's the Kansas City quarterback, best quarterback in the league. We all know that. Last week they had a cruisy thirty-five to nine win over the hopeless Jets, the New York Jets. And Mahomes threw for four hundred and sixteen yards, five touchdowns without a turnover. This team is just off. It's just an offensive juggernaut. It's as simple as that. Offensive juggernaut. The likes of Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Le'Veon Bell, Tyreek Hill. These fellas. When they've got the ball in their hands, they are offensive juggernauts. Simple as that. Hard to stop. So, 7-1 record. They're my number one ranked team. Any team that has Patrick Mahomes in it, good luck. That's all I can say. Good luck beating this man. Second ranked team, Pittsburgh Steelers. They have a 7-0 record. 7-0. No losses yet. Had another impressive performance by the Steelers last week who rattled Lamar Jackson, the reigning MVP into four turnovers, and they got their mojo back on offense in a 28-24 to win against the Ravens. 
the Ravens. Arch rivals, big win by the Steelers. And Pittsburgh, this team, just a talented, well-coached team that knows how to close games. They know how to close games. Great coaching. They've got skillful players, good quarterback, big band, still delivering. And they'll play every week. They will be in every single game, every single week, down to the death. Down in that fourth quarter, they will be there. It's as simple as that. So they're, they're a quality side. And every single week, they just keep ticking off, t- ticking off the teams, proving they're a Super Bowl threat. They are a Super Bowl threat, and they can go all the way. It's as simple as that. They're number two ranked. We've got our third ranked team, Seattle Seahawks, 6-1 and one record. This team could and should have a 7-0 record, but unfortunately they choked against the Cardinals a few weeks ago. But last weekend, they had a beautiful bounce-back effort from the Seahawks. They dominated 37-27 to over their rivals, the San Francisco 49ers, who were in the Super Bowl last year. So Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson is playing superb like usual. He's up to 26 touchdown passes this season, one shy of Tom Brady's record from 2007 for the most through seven games. So he's flying. He's in career-best form. DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf, their receiver, he is a human cheat code, this bloke. He's unreal. He's using his combination of just power, size, speed, footwork. He's just making defenders and the defense look silly. They can't, they can't stick with him. So he had a huge game on the weekend, two touchdowns, finished with 12 catches for 161 yards on 15 targets. That's his all career highs for him. So yeah, quarterback, receiving, their offense is on fire, the Seahawks. I love them. I said it probably three or four weeks ago. They're my pick for the Super Bowl this year. If I'm taking a dark horse, a roughie, I love them. I love what Wilson's doing. The only question is, I said it last week, defense. They haven't got that sorted. When they do, or if they do, it's a big if, I should say, they're going to be nasty. So keep your eyes on the you know, Seattle Seahawks. They're flying. They're our third-ranked team. We dropped down to our fourth-ranked team, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 6-2 and two record. This team just keeps doing enough. They continue to win. Last week, they had a tough, gritty 25-23 to 23 win against the New York Giants. But yeah, the, they just continue to get the job done. They have a solid defense. When you've got Tom Brady on your side of the ball, you know, you have a good chance of winning any football game. He's a Hall of Famer. He loves winning. It's built in him, built in the culture. He'll do anything to win. It's as simple as that. So this team will continue to improve. They have a huge divisional showdown against the Saints, the New Orleans Saints, this coming Sunday night. That's going to be huge. Saints beat them in week one this season. It's going to be interesting to see if, you know, the Bucs can bounce back, prove, yeah, we're the real deal, make a statement. So that's going to be awesome. Keep your eyes peeled for that matchup. But yeah, Bucks for me, they're my fourth ranked team. And to close out our top five, our fifth ranked team in the power rankings going into week nine, your Baltimore Ravens. So the Ravens, they haven't had the greatest week. You know, they haven't had the, they're not having a good week. Simple as that. On Sunday, they blew a 10-point lead at home and a loss to their rivals, the Steelers. We just discussed them, Pittsburgh Steelers. They're our number ranked two side. While Lamar Jackson, reigning MVP, threw a pick six and accounted for four turnovers in another lackluster performance. Their standout tackle, sorry, their standout left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, suffered a serious lower leg injury in that game, and that's ended his season. As I stated before, this season's been crazy. So many um, season-ending injuries. It's just, it's sad. It's just sad. So, and then to top things off, on Monday, all-pro cornerback Marlon Humphrey announced he tested positive for the coronavirus. We just stated that, how crazy this has been. So one day after, he played every single defensive snap against the Steelers. So now there's... Doubt in the Steelers if their game's going to be a go-ahead go if 
They're going to test all their players every day, keep see, seeing if there's any symptoms. All the biosecurity measures will be in place there. It's just, yeah, crazy. So, yeah, Humphrey's po- posit- uh, positive test warrants the whole team now for Baltimore. They're going to be getting monitored now, see, see what's happening there, if any of their players get symptoms or test positive, and it's just crazy time. So, although the Ravens, they're 5-2 and two record, they remain in a good position for a playoff run, you know, return to the playoffs like last year. But the road is far rockier than the year before, than last year. They've It's a lot tougher this year for them. They're not looking as fluent, I guess you could say. But when you've got the reigning MVP, Lamar Jackson, on your side, you can't count them out. You just have to get to the get to the playoffs and then you create your own luck. Once you're there, anything can happen. So yeah, Baltimore Ravens close out our power rankings going into week nine. Another thing I'm predicting, it's not really a prediction because... Everyone's on this bandwagon right now, but MVP, Russell Wilson, I've stated how good he is. He's looking like your MVP this year, halfway through the season. He's putting up ridiculous numbers, leading Seattle. Gee, just, yeah, what a freak, what a season. He just continues to improve. Probably the most underrated quarterback or underappreciated quarterback in the league, full stop. So I really hope Russ can get that MVP, and that's my prediction for the NFL. All right. To end today's episode, we're going to rip into our Q&As, questions and answers from our fans, from the public. So for those that don't follow us on our social media, Instagram platform, at Paddy's Playbook, please do jump on, give us a follow. We post amazing content. Throughout the week, we've been putting up posts, people are able to communicate with us, interact with us, some Q&As and topics on sport and questions they want answered, what my opinions are. So let's just do it. Let's give back to what the people want, what our fans want. So, question one. We've got nine nice, short, sharp, sweet questions to answer and topics to discuss. So, let's go. All right. First question. Hey, mate, what's the reasoning behind following the Penrith Panthers? Well, born and bred in the West, mate. Was born in Penrith. As a young kid coming through, my mum took me to a few Panthers games. I loved it. It just made me fall in love with rugby league. Played rugby league at a quite quite a young age, and yeah, once I just made that first decision, the Panthers my team. There was no turning back. Proud member and fan now for over twenty years. So yeah, mighty Penrith Panthers. That's my that's my team. I love them. So that's the reasoning. Question two: Who's winning the Super Bowl? Now this is a cracker because I've said it before. This is just my opinion. Only my opinion. I believe the NFL is the most competitive league, sporting league in the world, full stop. It's like a chess match out there. Offensive line, defensive lines, your quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, special teams, kickers, punters. Like it, the list just goes on. It's like a chess match out there. Every every yard counts. Every second counts. Every just, It's just crazy. So it's, an, it's a pretty open field. But I'm a huge fan of Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs quarterback. I've just said it before at the start of the episode, they're an offensive juggernaut, as simple as that. And I just think, well, personally, every single time that team steps out on the field, steps out, if you've got number 15 Mahomes on your side, doesn't matter how far you're ahead, how far you're down, he is just going to deliver. He is the baddest man in the league. And people, the Chiefs are beatable. They've already lost a game this year. But I just think when it counts, when the pressure's on, he doesn't sweat. He does not sweat this bloke. And I just think he's going to deliver once again. The big moments, AFC Championship games, Super Bowls, He does. it just doesn't matter. 
I'm pretty sure last year in the Super Bowl, he was down 10 in the fourth quarter and he just came steaming home. Like, this brother is on another level. It's as simple as that. Simple as that. I think... I think it's simple with the Chiefs. If you want to beat the Chiefs, you need to put up 30, maybe 40 points. They're going to go toe-to-toe with you. They say, yeah, you want to score 30? All right, that's cute. We'll put 40 on you. Let's go. You want to roll? Let's roll. So it's as simple as that. I just think the Chiefs are just offensive juggernaut. They're hard to beat, so I'm going to stick with them right now. They're the favorites. They're the reigning champs. Best player on their side, Mahomes. That's that's my pick. So, yeah, we'll see. But there's other teams I like. Seattle, um, Seattle Seahawks. I've said they're good. You got Tom Brady of the Buccaneers. Saints are putting things together. Steelers seven and zero. Like it is so wide open, and when it comes down to those big games, anything can happen. One play, one drop catch, one miss kick, one flag, anything can happen. So it's awesome. So yeah, Chiefs. Love the NFL. I'm riding the Chiefs. Question three: Do you think the Melbourne Storm will be a top four team with all the players they are losing? This is another, this is a ripping question. This is great. So, I think for the last two or three years, people are saying, nah, Storm are going to drop off. Storm are going to drop off. They lose, they lose Billy Slater. Nah, Storm are going to drop off. They lose Cooper Croc. Nah, Storm are going to drop off. And they just keep delivering. It's that winning culture, that winning mentality, all delivered by head coach Craig Bellamy. Simple as that. They just, they know how to win. Well, well coached, well drilled side. And they just get the job done. So this is our this is the question now. If Cam Smith retires, if he stays, let's just say he does, he does re- re- does retire. He leaves, or he leaves the Melbourne Storm, or he goes to play somewhere else. So the Storm don't have him. Arguably, I still think they can sneak into the top four. You look at all the good sides. I said this last week. You look at all the good sides in the competition. Your Roosters, your Rabbitohs, your Penrith, your Para. They've all got a good spine. You got that spine. You can build the team around just the fundamentals of rugby league. Good halves, good nine, good fullback. And you look at Melbourne and people go, oh, they've lost Cooper Cronk, Slater, Smith arguably might retire, might go to another club, we'll see what happens there. But Melbourne, people are forgetting. Jerome Hughes at six, um, at seven, sorry. Jerome Hughes at seven. He's come from fullback last year playing halfback and he's had an amazing year. Amazing year. Man of the match in the preliminary final to get his team to the grand final. That's huge. 26 years of age, Cameron Munster, phenomenal. Arguably the best 5-8 in the competition. He's top two. I think Jack Whiten's ahead of him. Lil Pappy, Ryan Pappenhausen at fullback. What a year he's had. He's going to make his origin debut next next week. And then you lose you lose the greatest hooker of all time, Cameron Smith. And you've got Harry Grant waiting under the wings. Or Brandon Smith. So you take your pick. You've got a young, good spine at Melbourne. If Craig Bellamy stays for another year, I think they can go top four. There's, there's no doubt about it. I'm not going to say they will. But I think they can, and I'm going to predict if they do lose Cam Smith, they're going to sit around the fifth to sixth mark, just outside the top four. But if he stays another year, they're top four once again. Top top four. So they're going to be up there or thereabouts. Melbourne Storm just continue to deliver. So yeah, that's my opinion. Question four. What was my pivotal moment in game one last night in State of Origin? Well, the Blues are up 10-0. I think this is pivotal. You can't blame one person, but when Kurt Capel ran straight over Clint Gutherson and put that gorgeous little chip and chase in, Brimson at the back scores, Collection scores, it changed the momentum. There wasn't much momentum in the first 10 minutes of that second half, but it was a bit of a grind, a bit flat. Like Queensland came out steamrolling us. They were just attack, attack, but Blues were holding on. And then from halfway out, 40 metres out, bam, you let a big second rower out wide. 
run over, just... The momentum changed there. It's not Gustafsson's fault. But I feel like that was a pivotal moment in the match. That happens four minutes later on the other other side of the field. Jack White and can't body. He had a terrible night in defense. Can't make a tackle. Dane Gagar goes straight through, sets up the other debutante, Xavier Coates, and then it's just a whitewash from there, kind of. The Blues don't really have an answer. So my pivotal moment for game one, it's harsh to say, but I think Clint Gutherson's missed tackle against Kurt Capel is my game one pivotal moment. Question five. If healthy, does Kurt Capewell keep his spot over Branko Lee for game two? Simple as this, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, Kurt Capewell, if healthy, keeps his spot. The number one rule, coaching rule, you never change a winning side. You never change it. If you win, you, you put that same 17 out there if fit and healthy. Simple as that. Kurt Capewell will be there again, in my opinion. All right, question six. Could any other coach have led this Queensland side to tonight's W, aside from the great godfather, Wayne Bennett? Tough question. I said it in the in the review. Wayne Bennett last night was amazing. He outcoached Freddie 100%. Simple as that. I think Wayne was perfect in the way he just kept his game plan simple. For, you know, he had a lot of, a lot of debutants, just kept it simple. Was able to just keep the lid closed and keep, keep his squad, keep the team calm. And it's a tough question. Could another coach do that? It's a huge ask. You're 10-0 down against Origin champs, the reigning... They won the series before, two series before. And they just came out and just literally blew the just blew New South Wales off the park. He had a game plan. He stuck to it. It worked. He knew what he wanted. I don't know if any other coaches... I'll say no. I don't think another coach could do that right now. Wayne Bennett's got... They've got a great coaching staff up there for Queensland. I don't think another, another coach comes in and does what Bennett was able to do last night. No. I think just his experience and him just being there, the gratitude of him just being there, just, yeah. He just was able to get the best out of his players. It was, it was amazing. Great coaching, great coaching performance there by Wayne Bennett. Question seven. This is great. Which NFL rookie has impressed me the most this season? So there's been a few, but the one I'm really just, I'm loving, I'm loving his game plan. I'm loving the way he's playing. Justin Herbert, the Los Angeles Chargers quarterback. So Herbert made a surprise week two start when the Taylor, their starting quarterback, suffered a lung, um, punctured lung when getting into pregame. And Herbert, I'm pretty sure it was five, ten minutes before kickoff, mate, you're in there. And he's, he hasn't even warmed up. Well, he's warmed up, but he wasn't even prepared. He wasn't expecting to play. So he's been thrown straight in the deep end. He's played six games in the NFL, 153 passing completions, out of 227 attempts, so that gives him a 67.4% completion percentage, passing completion percentage. It's not the greatest, but as a rookie going in, you can't ask for much better, really. He's thrown for over 1,800 passing yards. That's an average of 300-plus passing yards a game, so that's huge for a rookie. And I know the league has gone offense, offensive-based. Passing is huge now. It's more offensive than defensive now, the way the, the game's played and it's officiated. But for someone to come in six games, that's massive in my opinion. So he's thrown for 15 touchdown passes, tied seventh in the league. That's huge for a rookie. And he's got two rushing touchdowns himself. Five intercepts and one fumble. They're the negative things, but that happens. That happens when you're playing in not the greatest squad. Your receivers are going down. 
huge injuries. Like, as I've stated before, there's been massive injuries all over the, all throughout the league. And the Chargers have lost, they lost, I think, two key players, two key personnel before the season even started. So, and for me, Herbert, Justin Herbert, he's just, just effort the little player. He, do, he looks calm out there and cool. Like, yeah, you do feel the pressure, but he just gets the job done. He's won some games. He's got 104.5 passer rating. That's pretty decent. 76.4 quarterback rating, QBR. That's right. That's tied ninth, ninth in the league. That's pretty damn good for a rookie, I think. So there has been other great, great rookies. Obviously, number one pick, Joe Burrows. He's been decent. But when you want the, the one that's impressed me the most, these numbers, this is the evidence. I like what I see. In a team, Los Angeles Chargers, nothing special there. My answer is Justin Herbert. He's been awesome. So if you haven't, go go check him out. See what he's got. Check him on YouTube, Justin Herbert Highlights, bam. Let me know what you think, if you agree, if you disagree. But yeah, I reckon he's been awesome. Question eight. Are you going to cover the Australian Open on your podcast, the tennis? Yes, we will. We love the tennis. We're going to have episodes in January about the tennis. If not, or we will be having episodes, but also to go for that, on our, on our Instagram, at Paddy's Playbook, we're going to post some awesome content, lots of polls, debates, yeah, just follow us there, you'll love it, plenty of content. And our last question, do you think the Australian Open will be held in Melbourne? Right now, I'm pretty sure Melbourne hasn't recorded any coronavirus um, cases, general public transmission in the last few days, three days, I think. At this rate, we'll say yes, hopefully they can keep it lockdown, control the situation down there. I think the Australian Open will be in Melbourne. Whether there's crowds or not, we will find out. I think it'll be there. One of the main factors is just because of the facilities down there. You don't have a big enough facilities in Sydney, in Brisbane, over in Perth or wherever. Melbourne has a huge facility down there. All the arenas, all the practice courts, the history is there. I think the Australian Open will be in Melbourne this year or next year, 2021, at start of next year again. So that's how Q&A wrapped up. This was good fun. Love getting all these questions. These are our top nine. We'll do this in the next, maybe next week or the next few weeks. Ask us some stuff. Let's talk, let's talk sport. Talk, you know, we'll answer your questions. Let's talk some topics, our opinions. This was great fun. So hope you enjoyed that little segment, guys. All right, guys. That's a wrap for today's episode. Firstly, I hope you guys enjoyed it. That was a new format. A few new topics and things we discussed. That was really heaps of fun for me. I love that. Secondly, I can't thank everyone enough. Our listeners, people on Instagram, our followers, at Paddy's Playbook. Thank you for all your support. I'm humbled. Every week, it just continues to grow. The listeners, the followers, it's just awesome. And I'm, I just, I'm so grateful and can't thank you guys enough. This is just amazing. My goal is just to continue to grow build an amazing community, just, yeah, big things coming, I really, I really do mean this guys, big things coming, we've got lots of goals, merchandise down the, down the track, 2021, interviews, footy players, once they get out of the origin bubble, that's a goal, we're just working on some technical difficulties and software, and um, just a place to interview them, a studio and whatnot, we're looking down, looking down those avenues, so yes, once again, appreciate all the support, keep it coming, extremely grateful, Hope you guys have a great weekend. Origin next Wednesday. Go the Blues. They need to bounce back. We will probably have uh, another review, maybe a preview. Stay tuned for that. Wallabies on Saturday. 
Hopefully they can just put in a good performance. Keep the yellow and gold proud. Put some respect in that jersey. Take care, everyone. Appreciate the love. Have a great weekend. Ew!